it is the Armstrong and Getty Show. Brett Whittable in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, I am heard Monday through Friday, sometimes on Saturday and Sunday, too, on uh, WBT out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm really thrilled to be sitting in for the gents uh, today, helping to keep you guys company, break down all the big stories that are out there happening. And look, let's face it, COVID is a huge story. We'll hit other stuff as well, but we're going to be doing a lot on on the different dimensions of the story of COVID-19 and the way it's impacting our lives. Certainly, your businesses have probably been, been reduced, idled. Maybe you've been sent home. Maybe you've been furloughed. Maybe you've lost your job. That is a tremendous impact on you and your family's lives. Uh, in addition to the concerns about economics and health and safety, there's also concern about the issue of law enforcement. A lot of sheriffs and, and uh, uh, p- police chiefs, districts attorney, district attorneys, uh, etc., around the uh, country have had to make some pretty tough decisions. They're afraid they're going to get a pandemic breakout or an epidemic breakout inside their jails, so they're starting to furlough uh, prisoners, inmates, convicts, people who are, well, let's be honest, in the business of committing crime. Unfortunately, we are starting to see those criminals being released get back to the streets and get back to victimizing people. And these are not victimless crimes. So I want to welcome to the program uh, somebody whose work I have greatly admired for quite some time. He is a district attorney of San Luis Obispo County in uh, in California. He is Dan Dow, and he joins us on the line now. Uh, district attorney uh, Dow, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's good to be on. And it's- you set this up, but it, it's hard to even imagine criminal justice getting crazier in California, but it's just happened. So I think, you know, people are thinking, oh, these are these are nonviolent offenders. That's the couch you always hear from the politicians. Nonviolent offenders, low risk offenders, people that are just been they've been caught up in something they shouldn't have done. Who are these people getting furloughed, at least in the state of California, in your area that are being sent out of uh, out of the jails and the prisons? Well, uh, basically, the law only strictly defines violent uh, in California law. So things, crimes like domestic violence are not considered violent. Child abuse, elder abuse, um, actually human trafficking of a child is not considered violent. Now, a couple of those are excluded from this new zero bail program. Mm-hmm. Um, but zero, what, what this zero bail order did that the chief justice passed was it said, if you're in on one of these offenses that's nonviolent, non-serious, um, you're eligible to have your bail dropped to zero, and you can have immediate release. And it did not say uh, if you don't have a prior violent conviction. So we've got people on parole. We have people on felony probation. We have people that have committed three strikes before, assaults with deadly weapons, residential burglaries, um, all sorts of violent crimes, and yet they're being released because their current offense um, is not violent. But I'll give you an example of something. It wasn't a person released because of um, this new emergency order because he was released a week or two before that because of the COVID in the, in the jail. But there's a gentleman in our county that was um, on parole, and he was released early from serving a 60-day sentence. And uh, yesterday morning, he was arrested for committing an attempted murder. Um, in our in our county, so it's an example of um, of what can happen when someone's released early um, and released back into the community. Um, right now, I think what our communities really are crying for is: look, we want to be able to trust our government. We want to be able to trust our law enforcement that they're going to be here and help us at the time that we've got a lot of cares and concerns. And yet we're um, we're dumping people from our jails back into the community. 
at a time when law enforcement's not even able to respond to a lot of things because they're limited given the, the coronavirus. Okay, look, you're a district attorney. Your default position is to be a law and order guy, but also to administer justice in a fair way. Obviously, you're not looking to you know, railroad people and jack people up for, for no reason. But even under the best of circumstances, Dan, um, it's hard to track parolees. It's hard to track people on probation. What's to stop me if I were a, a, a bad actor who was one of these people that got released from COVID uh, because of COVID in, in, in San Luis Obispo County? Uh, to stop me from going to Nevada or going to Arizona or just disappearing entirely to the East Coast. is it, it, are, are they tracking them? Are they keeping an eye on them? Do they have enforcement mechanisms to make sure that they're, they're well, doing the stay-at-home order? If they are just in on a, on a crime that they have not yet been convicted of and they're in waiting trial, no, there's no, there's no supervision at all. Um, not to mention, the, here's, the, here's the real crazy thing. You could commit an auto theft today and be released on zero bail. You're taken to the jail and you're immediately released without having to post a bond. Tomorrow you can commit the same crime, another auto theft, another commercial burglary, another child abuse, another elder abuse each day and only be given a ticket and told to come back to court in four months when the coronavirus is over and um, and good luck. I mean, good luck on law enforcement finding them. And no, you're right, they can leave the jurisdiction because there's no supervision mechanism. And so what we've done, and quite frankly, it uh, violates the California Constitution, in my opinion, this order does, because the California Constitution, Marcy's rights, the Bill of Rights passed for victims, says that victims shall be heard and their safety shall be the primary consideration when setting bail. And by issuing a blanket order that applies everywhere on all these offenses, says we're not going to bother taking the time to weigh and balance the safety of the victim and their input um, before we set this zero bail. And so the rights of the of the defendant and the accused who is arrested on probable cause, on evidence of probable cause, um, are being elevated higher than the rights of the victims who have been victimized by these individuals, and they should at least have the opportunity to be heard. So in my county, we've we've opposed um, all of the all of the early zero bail releases, and we've had um, hearings in court where we've argued that the California Constitution requires the court to consider public safety and the victim safety, and we've been successful with about half um, in our county of keeping them in on some sort of bail. Thankfully. What are you hearing from the from the police chiefs? Uh, I, I know it's a kind of a hodgepodge with sheriffs sometimes, but the police chiefs, uh, the, the guys that are running, the guys and gals that are running the street operations to help keep people safe. I mean, you've got to be hearing explosive anger and frustration. Absolutely, and our, our sheriff and our police chiefs here are all united um, with me on this in speaking out against it and and letting our community know about it. Um, I'm making sure that each police chief knows exactly who's been given the early release so that if they're from their community, they can keep an eye out. And while there's no official supervision, they certainly um, should know that they're, they've been released early and back into their community. Um, I don't know if you heard, but I think it was San Joaquin County Sheriff just did a uh, mm-hmm. video a couple of days ago where he talked about this very issue. A person was released on Friday on this zero bail and by Monday, he was back in, in uh, jail for another auto theft. He had four prior auto thefts before the one he was being held for. He was released on zero bail, committed another auto theft, and was back booked on Monday. But they had to just give him another ticket and a date to come back because he could not be held. Even though he had this recidivist, you know, he was a repeat offender, 
and he's stealing cars from people that might have only one car to get to work, might sure. have only one car to, to right. get to the store and get supplies for their families, and yet that is seen as nonviolent. But think about the tremendous impact it had on, on those victims. Another case just that, that our judges did let out a couple of these inmates, they were um, already on probation in Kern County in Bakersfield for identity theft, where they had stolen hundreds of people's um, identities and were using it for credit card fraud and that sort of thing. They were on probation for two cases in Kern County, came here, picked up two cases here. We were prosecuting them, and we even had statements from multiple victims saying, please don't let them out early. I think you know they know where we live because they have our mail and all of our information. Oh, my gosh. And yet, and yet even though they were on supervision for the same crime and now they committed a new one, they're now released into the community. What do you think they're going to do immediately when they're released? Absolutely. Go right the, back to their own. Go right to it. So go right to it. Is, this is not safe for California and um, or anybody you know, else of AB 109, Prop 47, Prop 57, all of that stuff. Um, this is just one step further. And quite frankly, I think it's part of an agenda mm-hmm. to uh, get rid of the cash bail system in California. And um, one of the things I want to talk about, you know, people say, well, the only reason they're in there is because they're not wealthy enough to be able to post a bond. Well, think about it this way. When somebody posts a bond, they have skin in the game. They have something to lose right. if they go That's out right. and commit a new offense. They right. put up something, even even if it was their family that gave them that money. Mm-hmm. They put something up as a surety to say, I'm going to come back to court, and I'm not going to commit a new crime while this case is pending. And yet, so, putting them out on zero bail, they have no skin in the game. So did you, have, you got, have you got a website or anything where people can keep up to date with what you're doing so that uh, they, they know what the status of this fight is? Well, you can follow uh, you can follow the California District Attorneys Association, which is cbaa.org, mm-hmm. or you can follow Dan Dow District Attorney, uh, Dan Dow District Attorney on Facebook, um, and I'm putting up information there on a regular basis. Um, and I would just encourage people to speak out. In fact, yep. uh, people in our community have been sending letters, email letters, to the Chief Justice of the California Supreme Court, who issued this emergency order to let them know that they don't think it's safe for for California. It's not good policy. District, Attor- District Attorney Dan Dow from San Luis Obispo County in California, SLO County, a beautiful country, beautiful area, and it's a shame that uh, you're having a, a deal with this fight, uh, innocent people getting uh, caught up in, in this, especially during the most vulnerable time with coronavirus. I wish you all the best, and please keep in touch, my friend. We appreciate the hard work you're doing right. out there for people. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. Anytime. That's uh, District Attorney Dan Dow from San Luis Obispo County. That's the kind of stuff that gets my blood boiling, folks. We got plenty more straight ahead. We're just getting fired up. It's the Brett. Uh, it's Brett Woodrow in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong Getty Show. Pleased and thrilled to be with each and every one of you. You know, we're coming up on yet another weekend. So this is the first weekend after Easter, but it's yet another weekend where people are going to be unable to attend church in Mass or go to Mass, uh, but but attend church as a group or go to the temple uh, to worship at, at Friday services as a group or, or go to a mosque or whatever religious institution you may be a part of uh, as as a group of people. You're not able to go and worship with fellowship with your brothers and sisters uh, in faith. It's just not possible at this stage of the game. And at the bottom of this hour, we are going to be joined 
by uh, a, a, one of my very good friends who works in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and get a sense from him what it is that's going on with the uh, with, with church uh, not being able to function in the traditional sort of way that we've all become accustomed to. And we're going to be uh, uh, checking in with him at the bottom of that hour. But there's another part of this. When you, when you think about the churches, when you think about religious institutions, even faith organizations, uh, this, this time of uh, economic uncertainty in the era of COVID has hit their bottom lines, their plates, their poor boxes, their, uh, their efforts to uh, go out and do good things for charity in as much as it's affected all of us. And that is a tough thing all the way around. In fact, as I was telling you earlier today, we, we had uh, the revelation in the last 24 hours that the Small Business Administration Paycheck Protection Fund that was funded to the tune of $349 billion is now out of money. Um, uh, these are also groups of people that are running low on money. And one particular pastor, cut number 47, talking about the need for a little uh, uh, stimulus in the, uh, in the church plate. Wait a minute, what? What's he saying? Go. Donate your stimulus money. Donate it to evangelists, North American evangelists who haven't had an offering in a month. If you don't have a church, give through my website. Aha. Now, see, that is creative. That is creative marketing. So he's saying, listen, I know you people all have a windfall, and, and I know you people all uh, like to tithe if you're people of faith. So why don't you why don't you donate that check over to the to the evangelical churches that are that are suffering as a result of of this uh, of this shutdown? Now that now ladies and gentlemen that is a that's a big deal right there. That's a big deal right there because that's the intersection, isn't it? It's easy on Christmas morning or Easter in a conventional sort of way. Uh, it, it is easy. To to say, oh yeah, I'm gonna give a little extra in the plate. I got a I got a Christmas bonus. Uh, I got my tax refund. I got all that. But when you're getting these checks that are coming out, and I think they have been misnamed as stimulus checks. The checks that are coming from the government, these are not stimulus checks. These are these are buy food checks. These are keep yourself in business checks. These are uh, continue to have money going into the economy, even though maybe your paychecks have been idled. Uh, checks. That's not stimulus money. Stimulus money is, hey, we're in a recession. Things have gotten kind of bad. I'm giving everybody 500 bucks to, you know, just go out there and blow it at the, uh, b- blow it at the local restaurant or at the local uh, theater or at the local uh, car dealership or go get yourself some new tires. I mean, that, that's traditionally how stimulus is used, right? Th- this is not stimulus. This is lifeline money, and it's lifeline money that doesn't necessarily have to be. Because you did anything wrong. In fact, almost everybody negatively impacted by the coronavirus did nothing wrong. China's the culprit. China's the bad guy. The Wahoo, the World Health Organization, uh, they're, the, they're the bad guys because they are the people who, who didn't come forward in a fulsome way and tell us what the real risks were. Uh, the, the People's Republic of China, the Communist Party of China, there are lawsuits now. Lawsuits now being filed. In fact, on my show, heard Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 Eastern Time on WBT in Charlotte, available at Radio.com. Uh, you, 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 we've had people on who are part of the lawsuit 
filed against China. There is a multi-trillion dollar lawsuit by a law firm operating out of Florida that is looking to sue the Chinese Communist government for reparations as a result of coronavirus. Because they, they say that they were dishonest, that they didn't tell the truth, they didn't uh, disclose what the real threat was. They, they, don't, they don't know, they don't know, they don't know. Well, now we've got people in our country, in our government, who are spearheading the call to uh, allow people to sue China at, at a federal point for mismal and nonfeasance as it relates to the Wuhan virus, which emanated in Wuhan. And oh, by the way, while we're at it, China, China's coronavirus epicenter, Wuhan, has seen their death toll leap by 50%. They went out and did a new count. They went out and did a new count, and they said the cumulative number is 3,869, 1,290 more than the previous count, confirming that it's much worse than they have reported. They are continuing to engage in chicanerous actions. They are continuing to uh, participate in a cover-up. And in an effort to not get the real story out, I would submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, they are continuing to reoffend when it comes to lying. So what are we to do when we have no faith in the reporting out of China, the World Health Organization? We have to turn to faith right here in our own backyards. Coming up in mere moments, I'll be joined by Father Bill Nicholas from the Archdiocese of San Francisco. We'll talk about worship in the era of covid Brett Witterville in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Brett Witterville in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Great to be with you. Great to be uh, looking at all these different angles attached to this uh, coronavirus and the, the shutdown backlash that's coming, a lot of stuff that we'll be getting into over the next uh, couple of hours. But I want to welcome back to the program. Welcome to the program. He's a good friend of mine. He's been on my program a number of times. He is Father Bill Nicholas from the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and he's uh, joining us on the line uh, now. Uh, Father Bill, a very uh, happy Easter week to you. I know it's a difficult time um, to to be uh, trying to maintain communities of faith while people are separated and, and reduced to worshiping via live stream feeds or Zoom meetups or what have you. Uh, what about these challenges and the need to social distance from a health perspective and the impact it's having on the churches? Uh, you're right there in San Francisco. How are you weathering this storm, Father? Uh, we're, we're doing okay, and happy Easter, Brett. It's good to be back on your or good to be on the Armstrong and Getty Show, and good to be talking to you again Indeed. Uh, on the air. And uh, you know, we're, we're doing okay. It, it, it was uh, a unique uh, Easter, to say the least. Uh, one of the things I would say, because we're live streaming our masses here, I'm at the, currently at the cathedral, and uh, you know, as I wish people a happy Easter, I, I made a point. I said, I don't want to wish you a memorable one, because I think that's a given uh, <laughs> under the circumstances. Uh, but you know, it, it, is, it has been disconcerting for many, because they do miss coming uh, to, to Mass, on regular Sundays, and then of course we had our highest uh, Holy Day, which is uh, Holy Week, and then the the, uh, the days of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and especially uh, Easter Sunday. And so it, ha- it had its challenges, but um, uh, but you know we're we're hanging in there, and uh, the the folks uh, you know, are, I think are looking forward to coming back when this is finally lifted, and hopefully it'll be soon. 
What about this narrative that, that, that we hear? And it's, it's, it's almost sort of become uh, a, a standard line by some people where they say, well, look, the church is not that building where we gather to worship or the, you know, the, the, the religious location is not the temple where we go for Friday services or the, the mosque where people go to worship on, on Fridays. The, the, the church, the, the, the faith community is, is an amorphous thing that's everywhere. Uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily all have to be in one place. How do you react to that conversational piece? Oh, well, one you didn't mention, and is my personal favorite, is uh, I don't have to, you know, going to a garage doesn't make me a car. So going to church doesn't make me a Christian. At the same time, I say yes, but if you don't take your car to the garage regularly, it will fall apart from the inside. And so uh, I think that's a great metaphor because, yes, we, we are Christians always. We are people of faith always, but we do need to nourish that. And yes, we do have a certain nourishment at home, but especially in, in the Catholic Church, the Orthodox churches, uh, we have the sacraments that nourish us. And, it, and when we come to Mass uh, as a Catholic community, we receive communion, and that has spiritual benefits. If we don't do that, we are lacking in those spiritual benefits. So I love the metaphor of the garage, where people think they're being clever, and I simply say, you're right, but if we don't take the car to the garage, it's going to fall apart from the inside. At the same time, at the same time, the ca- the parish doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, working outward, working outward, each individual parish makes up the the larger diocese mm-hmm. under the local bishop, and each diocese makes up the church throughout the world under the unity of the Holy Father. And he, mm-hmm. uh, the Holy Father doesn't work in a vacuum. He works in union with all the bishops in their diocese. The bishops don't work in a vacuum. They work with their priests out in the parishes. But at the same time, now going inward, each parish is made up of individual families. And so this lockdown has been an opportunity because so many people, including maybe even the better of Catholics and, and Christians and people of faith, faith is merely going to Mass on Sunday and that's it. Do they pray at home? Do they remember the value systems that they that they have, the values they have as Christians in the home? Uh, for so many people, it is just going to Mass on Sunday and getting on with their lives. Uh, you can tell because from my vantage point, you see a lot of people looking at their watches, especially during the homily or the sermon, and uh, you know they're anxious to get on with, with the rest of their day. Whereas when people say, how long is Mass, Father? I, I would say, my job isn't to get you out of here on time. My job is to lead you in worship. We keep a pace. We're not keeping them all there all day. But a lot of that is symptomatic because they see it's just fulfilling an obligation, and then they get on with their lives. This opportunity has helped us to accentuate the domestic church, mm-hmm. which is a term we see in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and in other documents. The church begins in the home. It doesn't end there, but it begins there. And parents teaching their children mm-hmm. about this faith. And part of it is the kids at home are going to be hearing a lot of rhetoric about this coronavirus and about right. the lockdown, right. uh, much of which, I hate to say, is designed to freak us out, to frighten us. Oh, yeah. It's up to parents. It's up to parents to keep an even keel. And even as people of faith, I've said this a couple of times that, uh, in my homilies, which can be found on my YouTube page, uh, that as people of faith, we need to be above the rhetoric. We need to be above the hysteria. Uh, one of the things you hear a lot of these days is it's almost like a dividing line has been drawn between people who believe in science and people who don't believe in science. And what struck me was when the president appointed Vice President Pence to head the coronavirus uh, mm-hmm. uh, task force. Right. And Maxine Waters, I believe, was at least one of them, Congressman Waters of California. She did not approve of his appointment, and her reason was he doesn't believe in science. Well, I'm thinking, what the heck does that mean? 
Right. He doesn't believe that. You hear that a lot. They don't believe in science. And more often than not, it means they're a person of faith. Therefore, they don't believe in science. And it's actually people of faith who are the most prone to it, because as you and I have discussed on your show, those who know their history, if it weren't for the Christian faith, and in particular the Catholic Church, there would be no modern science, because of the way we believe in God as creator, put his laws in creation, the universities that were approved, that had to be approved by the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. in the early years of university, is where science flourished in studying God as creator. In many ways, it is people of faith who do believe in science, but it is also people of faith who are grounded in that faith and don't descend into hysterics. Okay, so we keep our minds, we keep our heads. Father Bill Nicholas from the Archdiocese of San Francisco joining us here on Armstrong and Getty, Brett Whittable sitting in. Now, a question for you, because we know that you know idle hands are the devil's workshop, right, okay? And, and we know that people have been really going overboard. I mean, binge is the word of the day, uh, the word of the moment uh, in terms of the way people are living. People are over-consuming food and alcohol, pornography. I mean, we it, it's going great guns out there, Father Bill. W- what about that? Because that, to me, feels like... I don't, I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean to speculate. I'm just a layman here, or a layman. But but they they they, they devil seems to be having quite a run right now. On the on the one hand, you you could say that, and on the other hand, as I mentioned, you could say that there are great opportunities that Christ is giving us in this to build up, as I said, the domestic church. Uh, in terms of those who are turning to alcohol and who are binging on pornography. I, I would even add to those who are binging on toilet paper in the supermarkets and the <laughs> wow. cleaning fluids. Uh, who are those who are binging on that? Um, are they? Are they? You know. And again, you can't stop every person who who's, fills their carts with uh, toilet paper and say, "Are you a person of faith?" But a lot of it is because we are prone to panic. We, sure. are, we are prone to that idolization. We can't think of anything else to do. Uh, I know during this time, obviously, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of busy work and getting ahead on a lot of busy work in the office, a lot of marriage uh, preparations files. I'm emailing people and meeting with them through Zoom, and we're moving forward as we can. But aside from that, I'm getting a lot of reading done and, wow. uh, and a, a lot of writing uh, done, uh, working on the, the projects I do on, on YouTube and so on. Uh, I know families who who are homeschooling. Not much has changed. They're keeping their children uh, occupied. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting when we get back to uh, the regular routine and hearing confessions. I know that's something a lot of people look forward to doing right before Easter. They were unable to do. Uh, I don't know what confessions I will hear. I could probably guess what they will be. But um, you know, hopefully, if people have descended into that, mm-hmm. then you know, returning back to a sense, we tend to do that at the outset. And like you say, there's the panic before we kind of settle into a routine. Right. And as we see in our society now, we have gone from people uh, binging and, and, and mass purchasing toilet paper and cleaning fluids right. to now demonstrating because of the lockdown. That's right. We don't want to be idle. We want to get back to work. So, yeah, yeah idle hands are the devil's workshop, but we are yearning for that work. We are yearning to get yep. back to work, and we are reminding our governments, and I'm glad that this is happening, that we do have constitutional rights That's right. that viruses are powerless to deprive us of. And uh, in hearing that the governors and the president are laying out their plans to get back to work, 
uh, yesterday I read in the, of all things, uh, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle, which uh, we know is no friend of the current president, but they are friendly with our governor, Gavin Newsom, mm-hmm. and he outlined his plan, and I was reading the article carefully. What about the churches? What about the churches? However, the president's plan, if I heard correctly on, on one of the news reports, phase one is getting back to the church. The last phase is the elderly you know, uh, mm-hmm. and visitation in restrooms. So I was glad to hear that allowing people to return to church is part of that. But again, just hearing me say allowing them, I shouldn't be saying allowing them. Right. Uh, right. Because we have those constitutional rights to assemble. And on the one hand, you know, I might get hit by a car walking to church. That doesn't mean we lock everyone down so we don't get hit by cars. Right. Uh, now, granted, you, you see a car coming. You can't sure. see a virus coming. Right. Uh, but one thing I'm glad, again, keeping one's head is people are now starting to ask questions. Granted, there's the whole religious level people play science. Do what the scientists tell you to do. Uh, but even scientists are not dictators. And, and now people are asking questions. Is this lockdown stopping the virus or is it only meant to slow it down? And people are asking those questions. And at the same time, we're hearing people say, well, if you don't do it, people are going to die. Uh, I was talking to someone just the other day, and they said, well, you don't want people to die, do you? And a part of me was thinking, yeah, I want people to die, okay? No, we don't want people to die. No, of course but not. We've got to stop dis- we got to stop descending to that every time we have a disagreement. We've heard that yeah. with global warming. We've heard that, yes. with, the, uh, we have that with the confirmation mm-hmm. of Brett Kavanaugh. We've heard that with the election of Donald Trump. If this happens, people will die. But at the same time, you know, okay, I heard that someone was attacked and killed by an alligator in Florida. Yeah. That, mean, that means we have to take precautions in San Francisco. Well, no. Right. Yeah. There are no alligators in San Francisco. That's so right. You're saying, I don't care that someone died of an alligator in Florida? No. It's called putting things in perspective. Father so Bill Nicholas. Father yeah. Bill Nicholas is with the Archdiocese of San Francisco preaching it and bringing straight fire today, uh, the, the good kind of fire you want to have. And uh, I, I so appreciate you being here, my friend. It's it's just great to have you here uh, on the Armstrong and Getty Show. And I, I look forward to getting back together with you again very, very soon. Always good to talk to you, Brett. Thanks for having me. Take care. Father Bill Nicholas, follow him. You can find him on Facebook, Father Bill Nicholas, Archdiocese of San Francisco. I'm Brett Waterville in for Armstrong and Getty on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty Show. Brett Woodville in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. I can be heard uh, Monday through Friday on uh, News Talk 1110-993 WBT in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Queen City. We are the blowtorch, and we, uh, we, we, we love every opportunity that we get to do our thing with, uh, with, with the audience out there. And I'll tell you what, it is always a, a real pleasure uh, uh, to do that. Uh, you can hear my show on Radio.com uh, and uh, at WBTRadio.com as well. People always want to know, you know how, how, how much social distancing do I really have to do? How much social distancing is really required? Well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to uh, stay away from you in the right amount of space? Well, there's a woman out of Utah named Mindy Vincent. Mindy Vincent. She's got herself a creative solution to the social distancing problems that we have in our lives well, she's she's crafted a brand new product, and it's a product that's certainly got people talking. I don't want to say tongues wagging, but possibly so. 
She's made a, a statement to get people to back up when they're coming up close to you. That's right. She's got a brand new kind of face cover. And uh, this face cover is kind of unbelievable. It's kind of freaky. It's kind of shocking. But it does prove a point. I'm going to let you hear from Mindy Vincent, who's going to explain to you her very, very special face masks. I had no idea that so many people would want them, and you can't get them where I ordered them anymore, but we do have the material. It's called Project Penis Mask, and all of the proceeds will go to benefit Utah Harm Reduction Coalition and the folks that we serve there. So many people just don't have a very good sense of humor these days. I just love that there are at least 150,000 people in the world that would also be willing to wear on their face out in public and think that it's hilarious, because it is! That's right. Uh, the pattern on her face masks are uh, phallic in nature. They're penises. That's a penis face mask. I, ladies and gentlemen, I, you know, uh, your mileage may vary. And the reason is, if you can come up to her and see it on her face and then say, what is that? Then you know you're too close. Like, that's one way of knowing you're way too close. She first posted about her hashtag Project Penis Mask on Facebook last week, drew hundreds of thousands of shares and likes, and uh, that's uh, that's entrepreneurial right there. That is entrepreneurship in the biggest possible way you can imagine. I don't know that I'm wearing one. Can't lie to you. I'm thinking I'm just going to maintain my social distancing, but for those people who maybe want to take a little bit more of a walk on the wild side to to borrow a song, uh, then I say you feel free to do it. You do it. You know what? You may want to take that fabric and make it into a suit. Nothing says a matching suit and back up like uh, having that all over your clothing. Let me tell you that right there. Laughter has been banned indefinitely during the pandemic by order of all but a few holdout governors on the unanimous recommendation of health experts. Many people, however, found it challenging to abide by the rules early in the crisis when libertarian Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky announced that he had caught coronavirus or more Precisely, that coronavirus had caught him. They had to conceal their amusement by directing laughter and potential airborne germs into bent elbows. What kind of sick person is entertained by the sickness of another person? The kind of person who enjoys discovering new evidence that the political gods have a sense of humor, just as there are famously no atheists in Foxhole. There is uh, no, uh, no uh, small government libertarians in the midst of a pandemic. Politico's John Harris writing, well... Rand Paul himself was out of the Senate in quarantine, and he was spared the indignity a few days later of joining the 96-0 vote of his colleagues, including many self-described fiscal conservatives, in passing a $2 trillion emergency coronavirus recovery bill, which is now clear that's only a down payment on the eventual cost of the federal efforts to fight the coronavirus. But now that Rand Paul has recovered, he says he felt fine and symptom-free the whole time. It is a good time to ask, are we sure that the pandemic joke will ultimately be on him? What if the opposite is true? Far from rendering Paul's brand of politics irrelevant, it seems possible, even probable, that in the wake of the coronavirus, it'll be a powerful boost to the animating spirit of libertarianism. Leave me alone. And isn't that essentially what it comes down to in in the world today? That you just want to be left alone. That is the source of the protesting. That is the source of the the protesting uh, for the folks that are taking to the streets in various communities. This is a prairie fire that is spreading across our land. You have folks in Michigan showing out by the tens of thousands in their vehicles to protest Gretchen Whitmer's power grab. 
You have a Facebook group that has exploded here in North Carolina, reopen NC with at least 30, 35,000 members coming together. They protested two days ago at uh, up in Raleigh uh, outside Governor Roy Cooper's office. And they're getting ready to do it again next week. Why? Because businesses want to get back in business. People want to get back to work. For everything that people say about the United States, one thing is very important. We are not a lazy country. We don't take August off every year like the European elites do. The French take it off. The Germans take it off. We don't do that. The American people, by and large, fail to use all of their vacation days every year. Think about it. Think about yourself and your colleagues. How few times you've actually used all of your vacation days. If you did, it's probably because you're using them for the birth of a child, the adoption of a child, or maybe because you're getting married. And you say, I'm going out on a two-week honeymoon. I got married. I'm using up all my vacation time. Most other people, they don't function that way. Most people take maybe a week off in the summer. Maybe a week off in the summer. You have people itching to get back to work. Think about the miracle that is the United States of America. You have millions of people around the world that want to break into our country, not to lay on the couch, eat Cheetos and watch porn, but to go and work in fields and factories, sell oranges on off-ramps, even penis masks. Who knows? You have people who are desperate to get back to work. Do you know how special that is? Once upon a time, they used to call it the Protestant work ethic. I call it the American work ethic. And the fact that people want to get back to work is a fundamentally good thing. We are not slobs. We are not lazy. We are not fearful of getting out there and doing the job. We are Americans United. Up next, we'll check in with a great American bringing the truth to you about coronavirus. I'm Brett Winterbull, in for Jack and Joe on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 